This morning we want to look at prayer. But before we look into that, I want us to, first of all, think of our cell phones, our smartphones. If you know anything about your smartphone, every time you download an app, a notification comes up and says, would you like to get notifications, allow or not now? All right, when you download an app, that's what you will get. If we put allow every single time that comes up, we'll be very consumed with our phones. Because every app that we have will bring a notification, and every time a notification comes up, our phone will ding or ring, whatever you want it to do, and what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to look at it. You see, we are so consumed by that that we forget God himself. Same thing goes with every day as we consider God himself. He receives messages every single day of his life, many messages, more messages than any of us ever receive. Through social media, WhatsApp, whatever it is that you use, he receives more notifications than any one of us through prayer. As we call on him, we pray to him, we ask God to help us with different things and different requests, he is always receiving different messages. The problem is that sometimes we don't get the same gratification as if on our smartphones where we can see if somebody read our message. We can see a tick, a blue tick, if someone's seen our WhatsApp message. Or if our messenger, you can see they read. Or nowadays, people just say, you know what? I don't want no one to see if I read my message, so I'm going to turn that off. But the majority of us will see if somebody read our message or they've seen it. But does that happen with God? When we pray to God, do we see that he's heard us? Do we see that he has received our prayer? The reality is we know that he has received our prayer, but for us, we like uh, instant gratification and know that someone has seen what or heard from us. I know in my own life, as I consider if I send someone a message, I want to see if they heard from me. I want to see if they got my message. And sometimes if they didn't get our message, what do we normally do? We'll call them and find out exactly, hey, did you get my message? You see, the average American checks his or her phone 110 times per day. People are more addicted to check their phones as much as 900 times a day. That's once every waking minute. Imagine that. 900 times a day that we just check our phone just because we had a ding or we, we had a notification. You see, when Nehemiah received bad news, his first reaction was to pray. He knew that prayer is more than just simply sending messages to God, but a spiritual discipline that brings us into communion with our Father. When we focus on God, expressing our dependence on Him, God provides the wisdom and power we need to live. How many times have you heard someone make this statement? All I know to do is pray. What they usually mean is I've tried everything else, so all I have left is prayer. It does not speak well of our priorities. Prayer should not be the last resort, but it should be the first resort. You see, too many times we pray, and so many times we, you know, try to fix problems on our own. Prayer becomes the last resort. Prayer becomes the last thing that we do. And then when we realize that we can't fix it, then we go to God in prayer. You see, Nehemiah had his priorities right. When he had heard bad news from his homeland, the very first thing he did was carry it to the Lord in prayer. You see, we serve a big God, and no problem is too big for him to handle, and no problem is too small for him to handle. Do we really believe that? 
So as more as we look into prayer, I want us to watch a short video to see what prayer is and what prayer is not. What is prayer? Stale tradition? Ritual? A good luck charm? Part of some religious checklist? Done to appease a higher being so we can get what we want? Or at least avoid the lightning bolt? Prayer has been redefined and twisted and confused. But at its essence, prayer is simply talking to God the God who spoke the universe into creation, who gives us life and breath, who holds all things together. This God wants us to talk to him. In the vastness of all that exists, he actually cares about us, personally, individually. How can we not pray to such a loving God, wherever we are, how can we not thank him for what he's done or cry out when we need help, when we need forgiveness, when we're afraid, when we give thanks for our blessing or question where our next meal will come from? Why would we live a life apart from him? It's not about formula. How could any posture or well-chosen word impress the author of time and space? It's simple obedience. God has made himself available to us. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to trust in him, to acknowledge our dependence on him, to draw near to the one who loved us first. Approaching with confidence because Christ has torn away the veil. He's washed away the sin that kept us from his presence. And we live in relationship with our Lord. And so we ask that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth and in our lives as it is in heaven. That is prayer. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. And this morning we look at three basic points. First of all, we want to see the sorrowful conditions. Second, a sincere confession. And third, a solid confidence. Nehemiah 1, 1 to 3 says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the capital, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem had broken down and the gates are destroyed. Let me just give a background because we need to understand. Beginning around 537 BC, many Jews who had been exiled to Babylon were allowed to return to Jerusalem to restore what had been destroyed. Their plan was to rebuild the temple and the city. They eventually finished the temple, but for decades the absence of walls and gates left Jerusalem not only defenseless, but also the object of ridicule. So we see, as we consider why we build walls, we build walls for security. We build walls so that we could feel secure in our homes. The same thing happened here for Jerusalem. They needed to feel secure. They needed walls so people couldn't come in and out as they felt like. 
You see, Jerusalem remained vulnerable to outsiders, as enemies could attack them as there was nothing to stop them from coming in. As we'll find out, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He was a man that, when he heard this, and we need to understand, as we see in verse 2, Nehemiah wasn't a person who was could jump the gun and try to fix the problem. You see, too many times in our lives, we like to hear people's problems, or we like to hear about something, and we want to try to fix it right away. We don't even let the person finish before we give them a suggestion on how that could be fixed. But we will see as Nehemiah, Nehemiah was a person who listened intently, and he prayed to God about it. You see, Nehemiah listened carefully at his brother's shared news. We are often tempted again to jump in and start offering solutions. But simply listening in order to be aware of the needs is important. You see, awareness is a critical first step in pouring out our hearts to God in prayer. But simply being aware of needs is not enough. Once we're well informed, we need to get busy praying. And Nehemiah recognized that he could do nothing except pray to God. I want to ask you this morning, what are some of the problems in your life that are too big for you? What are some problems in your life that you feel overwhelmed, that you feel like, you know what, I don't know what to do? Where we just have to, you know, put our hands up and like, what else is there to do? Maybe a sickness. We look at sickness sometimes and think, well, why would God allow me to be sick? Or why would God allow this person in my family to be sick? Maybe it's death of a friend or loved one. Because death is not an easy thing. No one likes to face death. It's hard. And sometimes we wonder again, we question God, why would you let this person die and not this other person? Or is it a financial situation? Is it a point where, you know what, I don't know where the money's going to come from in the next bill. I don't know what to do. You see, sometimes we look at these problems as too big for us. And yet sometimes we just try our best to, to do what we can do without turning to God who knows everything about us. You see, we often get stuck and look at our circumstances and the problems that we have rather than looking to the one that already knows what's best for us, the one that's in control of everything, who knows how to help us. People often say God will never put more on us than we can handle. We like to say that. But one pastor said something like this, if God never gave us more than we can handle, we wouldn't need God. God gives us more than we can handle, but he never gives us more than he can handle. You see, if God said, I'm not going to give you more than you can handle, why would we need God? We need God. We need him every day. We need him to, to show us things in our lives that we need to change. We need him because he is bigger than everything else, than what we're going through. You see, Nehemiah, they looked at what was going on, and they thought to themselves, well, what, what are we going to do? But they didn't say, already come up with a plan and say, this is how we're going to do it. But Nehemiah, as we look, is going to look at a sincere confession, the second point. As I soon as I heard the words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps the covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments 
the statutes, the rules, you commanded your servant Moses. Nehemiah, when he heard the report, he recognized that all he could do was pray and fast. We are sometimes afraid to be honest with God, but I think Nehemiah recognized that, you know what? I'm going to lay it all on the table. And I'm not just going to pray for myself. I'm going to confess the sins of this nation. Because we recognize that what we have done is wrong. We recognize that we have sinned against God, and this is what's happening to us. You see, Nehemiah became overwhelmed with grief. And the only thing he knew what to do was to pray and fast. I ask you a question. When's the last time that you really was honest with God and prayed to him? And you may be saying, well, what, what are you talking about? I'm talking about really praying to God, crying out to God, and, and really telling God the truth. You see, I think sometimes with our prayer, we try to pretty it up. You know, we all have our rituals, how we're going to start a prayer, and we'd say this, you know, we have our rituals where we teach our kids, this is what you pray before you eat. You know, even sometimes, and we want to pray for something else, we end up saying the prayer for dinner instead of what we really want to pray for because we're so used to saying that all over and over again. You see, Nehemiah was a person that was willing to cry out to God, confess everything to God, not just about him, but about the nation. He really was sincere in what he was saying. Look, God, we have messed up. But let's recognize, as we see in verse, verse 5, he recognized who God is. And that's where we need to recognize that when we see who God is, we will see who we are. Because God is great. God is awesome. God is bigger than us. And when we see God, we see how low how sinful, how no good we are. It's not until we see God that we could really see ourselves. Because for us, we are wired to almost feel like we're righteous people. We think we got it all together. Well, I inspired that person down the end of the pew with me. I'm a good person compared to them. But Nehemiah recognizes that prayer is not about us. It's all about God. It's all about going to God. It's all about talking to Him. It's all about communicating to Him. Nothing about us. You see, confession realigns our priorities. Rather than point fingers about what others have done wrong, He recognized that both I and my father's family have sinned. We have acted corruptly. Nehemiah associated with his people, making confession his priority. Nehemiah understood that for Jerusalem to be restored as a city, the heart of the people must first be restored to God. You see, life should be an ongoing conversation with God. Pray without ceasing. We shouldn't just go to God when we have problems. We shouldn't just go to God when we want to request that we have a safe trip on a plane. We shouldn't just go to God when we want to have a good grade on a test. He's not a genie God. He's a God that we should be talking to constantly. And all the time. I want you to imagine your relationship with your, if you have a wife or a family, whoever it may be, husband. I want you to imagine if you never talked to each other. If you never communicated. What's going to happen there? That relationship ain't going to work. So the question is, and I'm speaking to myself. Why don't we constantly talking to God? 
If I had to take a survey in here this morning, I'm sure one of the biggest problems, one of the hardest things for us to, to say is, you know, our prayer life as a Christian. Because we get so busy. And like prayer is like, uh, you know, it's not that instant gratification. I could read sometimes, read God's word, and I'm getting something. But prayer is sometimes like, oh, I'm just talking to God. I don't, I'm not getting a response right away, so why am I doing this? It goes back to, again, that we want instant answers. Because we're wired like that. We're wired to want everything done right now. And sometimes we see, we don't see God's plan right in the front of us, but we see it later on in life. We pray to God and we say, God, I want this problem to be fixed. Or I want this to happen. And we don't see it right away. And we get upset, but then we see why God did what he did. And it's all for his honor and his glory. Which brings me to this point. When's the last time you prayed for this nation, for this country, and cried out for this country? We live in a messed up world. We live in a messed up country. You know, when you turn on the news and you look at the newspaper every single day, it's like, wow, what else can happen in this country? What other problems can happen? We think of the greed of people as they take their last bit of money and play numbers. We think of people who are killing one another. We think of the many orphans in our country that don't have a mother and a father present in the home. We live in a messed up country. And it's not going to change unless God changes it. But the change has to start with us who know better who call ourselves believers, who say, you know what, I'm a follower of God. We can't follow after what God, we can't follow after what the world has to offer. We have to follow after what God's word tells us to do. You see, Nehemiah never points the finger, but he says, we have sinned against you. So many times we like to point the finger and not fess up, but Nehemiah makes it clear that we have sinned against you. You see, the world's not going to get any better. In fact, it's going to get worse. So what do we do? What do we do as the church? The only thing we can do is get on our knees and pray. We need to pray. Because prayer is the only thing that we can do. But it shouldn't be the last thing we do. It should be the first thing we do. We shouldn't blame the government for everything. And I'm going to be honest, I'm one of those people who want to blame the government for things. We shouldn't blame the church leaders. We've got to go to God in prayer and pray to him. And confess ourselves, confess our sin first. And confess the sin of this nation. You see, sometimes we get so pretty with our words to God and we make ourselves sound holy and righteous. You know, we like to have those prayers where we like to use these big words because God is so impressed with us with these big words that we tell him. Because he doesn't know the meaning of those words, so we got to pray these big words so he can understand us. It's not true, right? If you go to a prayer meeting, a lot of people say, I don't want to pray because, boy, these people use these big words and I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't know what to say. You see, God isn't impressed with our words. 
He's impressed by our vocabulary to use these big words that people got to use a dictionary for to find out exactly what they was praying before in the prayer meeting. He wants it to come sincere to him. He wants it to come to him, talk to him. You see, he sees right through these big words. He sees our hearts. And sometimes we want to hide behind these big words. But we know in reality that we need to confess our sin to God. We need to come boldly into his presence. As I think of confessing, I think of David. As David cried out and he said, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. He was transparent with God. He was real. He was not playing a game but was sincere that he needed God to renew him. Do we need to do that as a church? Do we need to do that as an individual? To cry out to God and say, God, I have sinned against you. I need you to renew a right spirit within me. Just go home and cry out to him. Nehemiah did the same as he's crying out to God. But I think sometimes we look at that and we say, well, that means that maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. But God wants us to be sincere. He wants us to come before him and cry out to him. You see, people constantly check their phones for text messages and social media notifications. You likely have at least one person you communicate with constantly. Why not do the same with God? When we live in continual prayer, we're demonstrating to God dependence upon him for the things we need and trust he will take care of his people. You see, we need to cry out to him and confess our sins to him. We're going to have an opportunity soon to take the Lord's Supper, and this is the time for us to search our hearts and confess to him any sin that's in our lives. Which brings us to the last point. Solid confidence. Verse 8. Remember the word that you commanded your servant, Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter, scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen, to make my name dwell there. There are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. You see, Nehemiah then returned his prayer back to the word of God. Some people believe that this was referring to Deuteronomy 30, 1 to 10, when God warned the Israelites that if they turned from him, he would punish them. But he also told them that he would restore them if they repented of their sins. You see, Nehemiah knew that because of Israel's sin, they deserved judgment. But Israel's disobedience necessarily didn't spell the end of their relationship with God. Because our God is a forgiving and merciful God. Imagine that. If it depended on us, if our relationship with God depended on us and how we acted, we would all be in trouble in this room this morning. Could we mess up? 
I know I mess up. I don't know if anyone else messes up in there, but I mess up daily. But I am thankful that I have a God who is forgiving, who is a gracious God that is always there for me. You see, repentance means to change or turn around. Being restored to relationship with God requires that we agree with God that we have sinned and then turn from our sin to pursue God. You see, we need to confess our sin. We need to recognize that before we can come before God, we need to see who we are and we need to confess our sin to them so that we can come into his presence, boldly into his presence. It's one thing to be grieved about the effects of sin and it's another to confess our own responsibility. However, these are valuable only when they lead us to change, to turn to God and live in obedience. You ever heard people who tell you that, you know, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I can wait till I'm later on in life to give my life to God? You ever heard people like say that? Because I want to live my life the way I want right now? You see, we don't know when our last breath that we're going to take. We can't say that, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it later on in life. I want to live my life the way I want now. I know what I'm doing is wrong. You see, God sees right through that. He wants us to repent. He wants us to turn away from our sin. You see, God's standard for us today is perfect obedience, something impossible for us to achieve. However, Jesus did something amazing. He came to this earth. He lived the perfect life. And he died on the cross for our sins. You see, when we trust in him, we receive the blessing for, for his obedience. All God requires is that we confess our sins, repent, and live in obedience out of love for him. You see, prayer is the essential part of living this way. And we need to ask God to continually help us to live this way. You see, Nehemiah begins his prayer by recognizing the greatness of God. And he ends the prayer by being a humble as a servant who fears the name of God. So I want to ask you as we close. Do you fear God? Do you respect God? Have we lost respect for God in our country? You know, we say we're a Christian nation. We were built on the Christian foundations. We can't live that anymore, to just say those words. we got to do it. we got to live like it. We need to pray for ourselves, number one. But we need to pray for our nation. That we, as a people and a nation, would turn back to God. Because that's the only thing that's going to change this. Not the government. Not just church leaders. But we, as individuals, as people of God the only way this nation is going to change. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Father, we pray that you continue to be honored in everything that we do. Father, I pray that as we go into this time, as we um, remember the Lord, what he has done for us, as he died on the cross for our sins, Father, for the blood that was shed, Father, I pray that we would recognize and we would search our hearts and our lives. Father, I pray that you continue to be honored in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.